All right, Patriots, hardliners, warriors for Christ, it's time to stand up and take your nation back. Are you ready? It's time to assemble. It's time to return God back at the top of the throne where he belongs and get Christ back in our heart where he belongs. They've crossed this line one too many times, and we are going to take this nation back once and for all. Isaiah 42, 13 reminds us, the Lord goes forth like a warrior, like a man of war, he stirs up his fury. He shouts out his battle cry against his enemies, he shows his might, and that's what we will do here at his heart line. We will show his might. They have crossed this line for the last time. So let's take this nation back. Let's get started. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you're at in the world. It is a good morning here in West Michigan. It is about almost five after eight, Friday, September 2nd, 2022. Happy Friday, happy Friday, and uh, happy Labor Day weekend, whatever that looks like. I don't know. I don't, you know, I got to look up the origins of Labor Day weekend. I got to wonder, I got to wonder, like, where and when did that come about? Why? You know? Well, we just celebrating that we worked all summer and, you know, we, here's an extra, here's a day that we're going to give you just to relax and chill out. I don't know. That's, yeah. Anyway, but it is Labor Day weekend, so I'm sure a lot of people are getting ready to go on vacation and, and, and travel up north or south. I don't know, depending on where you're at in the country, but I know uh, in uh, Michigan, I tell you, we get a lot of people that come up from Illinois. We get a lot of people from Indiana and Ohio. They come up to us. And it's funny when my wife and I, when we head out, we go south. We don't continue to keep going north. We head south. We either go to like Ohio, to Sandusky, or we'll go to Tennessee. But then they all come here. So it's kind of interesting how that works, right? And everyone's like, oh, what are you doing for Labor Day? Oh, I'm going up north, going up north. Not us. We're going south. Anyways, glad to have you here for another His Hardline discussion. It's not going to be quite as long as it was on Tuesday. Tuesday had a longer, you know, sound clip that I was playing. This one's only about, uh, I want to say 24 or 25 minutes. It's not as long, um, but we're going to try to get through this because when I get done here, I was talking with Donna Brandenburg last night and we got uh, chit-chatting for a little bit. So I, I, want, I agreed to be on her show because I told her, I said, you know, um, either way I needed to do, I need to stay firm on, you know, I want to get more information out on his hard lines discussions. Um, and so I told her, I said, I, I love to have you on my show or I love being on your show, but either way, I need to find a happy balance here. I need to still keep getting out the content that I've been needing to get out, which is one of the reasons why I stopped doing the, uh, his hardline quick look where I was just going over just pointless, you know, news articles that a lot of you already see anyways. I mean, there was no point in me doing that. I, my goal here at this platform is to try to get good, solid information out to you all and not, not fill the airwaves with fluff and garbage, because at the end of the day, you come here to try to get solid information. You're not trying to get fluff and garbage. And so I told her, I said, look, I, either way, I still have to forge ahead on Friday mornings at 8 a.m. to do my His Hardline discussion. Now, we can do one of two things. I can have you on at 9 a.m. for an hour and keep it solid, you know, a solid, true Brandenburg, you know, block hour, because I don't want to go past two hours. Because, you know, Fridays typically sometimes, in some cases, can be my only day off, and I don't want to monopolize my family's time, you know, or, or monopolize my time with this podcast and, and take away from my family, especially if it's my only day off in some cases. Uh, tomorrow I got to work. So, you know, I try to get done and out of the studio by, you know, 10. 
I don't want to be continuously being at this chair and going into 11 and 12 o'clock. And because now there goes most, you know, half, you know, most of the half the day in some cases. Right. And so anyways, I tried to make sure that, um, I keep a good, happy balance here. So I told her, I'm like, you can be on his hard line at nine, or I can come on Brandenburg news network at nine. Either way, what do you think? And she's like, well, I love coming on your show actually. And she goes, you know, since your show was the one that's been around first, you know, she goes, I, I still, I really enjoy doing the Brandenburg block hour at his hard line. She goes, let's talk further. Cause I'd like to, I, we, let's figure this out because I really want to come on yours. And I also really enjoy having you on my show too, because when, you know, when we have a dialogue and we banter back and forth, it really is like, you know, talking like with a sister, right? Like a family member, because we have a good, um, we have a good, uh, conversation in a lot of cases. And so, and it seems like a lot of people respond positively when we talk about some of the, you know, craziness that's going on in the world. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I'll be on her show at 9am. So, um, hopefully you all had a chance to listen to the part one of the Nisara. Um, as you can, if you remember now, this has always been one thing that has been big misinformation. I don't know where it came from. I'm sure because, you know, like there's websites out there that tout, uh, the positive effects of Nassar, right? And one of the biggest things is, oh, you're going to get helicopter money. You can get all this money, you know, because all the money that was ever taxed by us, you know, tax, ta you know, taxed by us, you know, whatever, you know, like all the money that was taken from us via taxes and paying, uh, registrations for tabs on our license plates every year, everything. We're going to get all that money back. Now, not necessarily. That's not how it's going to work. Now, what's going to happen, if you heard again from the very the first show, is that there's going to be, you know, a wiping out of all the debt because just like the fine, you know, the monetary, the money, okay, the, the, that's, that's been printed by the Federal Reserve, that's all fraudulently and unconstitutionally made and mint, you know, coined and minted. The money that we use has never, was never allowed to be made by the Federal Reserve because if remember, the Federal Reserve is a private organization. It's a private bank. That's not, that does not belong. That, that is, that is not an arm of government. People need to remember that and realize that. So, you know, the money we use is fake and fraudulent and it's fiat money. I mean, it's no different than really monopoly money. But the only reason why people still use it as a form of exchange is because it's been taught to us that that is a trusted source of, uh, of, in, you know, of, of money to, 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 you know, I mean, really it's, that's about how simple I can put it. It's like taking monopoly money and saying, Hey, because you've, you know, you traded your time for employment, this is what you earn. Here's a $500 orange, you know, $500 bill, much smaller, of course. Now, if we were taught our whole lives that that is a trusted source of, you know, form, you know, exchange of, you know, for goods, we, I mean, that's just how simple it is. This fiat money, this fiat dollar we have, it's fake. It's a, it's a note. It's a debt instrument. It's not even backed by anything like precious metals. That's what JFK was trying to do back in the day. That's what he was trying to do is try to help get America back to a self-governing status. And he was also trying to get our money back, you know, to be backed by precious metals. That's why you saw the silverbacks, right? The silverback, you know, $5 bill and, and, and you know, the, the, I can't remember what else was put out there, but he tried getting the silverbacked currency out there. And if you can remember, that became illegal at some point to use as a form of uh exchange you gotta wonder why you also gotta ask yourself i wonder if this is one of the biggest reasons why he got assassinated and it is among other a couple other reasons but you got to remember 
So I guess back to the whole Nassara thing, because this money, this, this quote unquote money that we use as a form of exchange for goods and services, because it is valueless practically, and it's not backed by anything solid like gold or silver or land or anything like that, that goes the same thing for the loans and mortgages and credit cards and student loans and things like that. Anything that there is a loan given by a bank because they were dealing with fraudulent money, those loans are also fraudulent as well. So that's one of the biggest benefits for humanity is that, um, is that when the whole financial system finally switches over to a gold, you know, precious metal backed currency, a rainbow currency, if you will, that means all the debt that people hold go away. But that doesn't mean we're going to get a huge helicopter, you know, bags of money that's going to be dropped on us. Because if everybody became rich, and had an infinite supply of money. I, I say infinite and not really, but had an overabundance of money. Think about it. When you have an overabundance of money supply in the economy, you're going to have super duper hyper inflation. And that's not good. That's point number one. Point number two, nobody would ever work. So then you get all this money. Now you're saying, oh, I'm never working again. Well, you think you're the only one in America that would have that mindset? Mm -mm. the economy would stop so fast it would be worse in 2020 so there's no helicopter money however there would be definitely um how do i want to say it you would definitely be gaining wealth without a doubt though because when you're able to keep more of your hard-earned money because you're not getting taxed income taxes property taxes annual tabs, you know, you're paying two, three, four, five hundred $500, depending on the state, on tabs to renew on your license plate so you can drive your car. When you're not getting all these little taxes and large taxes pilfered out of your pocket and all you're subjected to, as well as the rest of the American population, you're just subjected to just like a flat sales tax to, you know, because we still need an operation of government to be funded, whether that be through tariffs of, um, foreign goods that get imported into our nation because that's how our government used to be funded if you recall you know taxes have has only been a thing since like 1933 but prior to that nobody was ever charged income taxes in fact when i was talking with destry we were talking and he was saying he goes did you know in the late 1800s to the early 1900s the average family could actually work only you know the average income earner could only work 20 hours a week and still make more than enough to live off of and still be comfortable 20 hours a week nowadays a 40 hour week is a thing of the past i mean what's a 40 hour week if you're working a 40 hour week i'm i would love to meet you because if you're working a 40 hour week and you're able to live comfortably that's awesome but you know it seems like majority of people and their jobs they gotta they gotta put in like 60 70 80 hours in some cases i hear some people putting in 100 hours a week just to make ends meet that's a lot of time where do you find time to sleep when you're working 80 to 100 hours a week really and so anyway, but that's what I'm talking about. You will have more of your time back when, when, when things start switching back to what needs to be switched to, right? Precious metal back currency, getting rid of the fraud, getting rid of just, you know, it's, it's very interesting how Nassara works, but everyone always keeps thinking, I'm going to get this big boatload of money. That's not how that's going to work. Now, if you want to ensure your wealth, 
get precious metals like silver or gold, particularly silver, because silver is severely undervalued. So, yeah, and as somebody, as Coastal Runner was saying here, you know, people, especially if people are working from home, right, and they have the ability to work remote, people that work, you know, from a cell phone, you know, sometimes work is a 24-7 thing. So, I mean, it sucks. So, so anyways, let's get into this other part here, this other sound clip. Like I said, I typically don't do this with podcasts, but I, I wanted to on this because this is an hour-long video. I'll post the link on the show notes so you can actually see the video if you want to see the video as well as the audio. But this is the part two to the Nassar. Like I said, about 23 or 25 minutes. I couldn't remember. And then we'll talk about it. And like I said, if there's key things that get discussed in there, I'll pause it and we'll do some commentary. But we're going to get through this. And then, like I said, I'll see you um, if you decide to want to choose to um, – watch down at Brandenburg's uh, Brandenburg News Network. Um, that's a streaming thing that we do. Uh, I will be over there after this show is done. So let me find this. All right, here it is. So Nasara part two. The Bush family was originally offered $300 trillion to cooperate with Nasara. But instead, they chose to maintain their control over us, so in the end, the Bush family will end up with nothing. The attacks of 9-11 had managed to stop the announcement of Nasara dead in its tracks. Many more attempts have been made over the years, but the Bush family has managed to stop them. These people won't be able to get away with their crimes forever. Little by little, their wealth is being dismantled right before their eyes. Before Nasara is announced to the public, it was stipulated that the original farmer claims must be paid out with a bullion-backed currency issued by the U.S. Treasury. In other words, they cannot be paid in Federal Reserve notes. The $6.6 trillion farmer claims payout is to be distributed in the form of ATM debit cards. Remember, this money will come from the bank roll and prosperity programs. The only catch is, to distribute these funds, they must first be released by the trustees, whose members come from the Clinton, Bush, and Rockefeller families. They are doing everything they possibly can to stop these payouts. One way is to transport the banking documents, which contain instructions on how to access these funds in a never-ending loop, 24-7, between warehouses in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Washington, D.C. The drivers of these FedEx trucks are heavily bribed and many of them are afraid of being arrested by the Department of Homeland Security if they were to actually deliver their payload as required by law. At one point, after the packets were returned to Washington, D.C., President George W. Bush placed them under military guard. Federal judges ordered him to release the funds, but Bush replied, You will never receive these packages. They belong to me. The judge answered, I can do no more. He is the President of the United States. The only option left is to arrest the President, but the police commissioner, Provost Marshall, and the military refuse to help. This cycle has been ongoing for years. The only alternative left is to kill the Federal Reserve System by force. The problem is, George Bush, and now Obama, has threatened to use the dollar as a weapon of mass destruction against the nations of the world to comply with the New World Order agenda. Bush once commented, The people will now suffer greatly. The world cannot tolerate this. The dollar must be removed as an international reserve currency and replaced with a new independent asset-based monetary unit backed by precious metals. On December 15, 2006, 
a meeting was arranged to discuss ways to curtail these criminal activities. Their ranks included representatives from the global family who were enlightened individuals working directly under St. Germain. They include members from the IMF, World Bank, Rothschild family, and key persons from over 48 nations. They agreed to implement three goals by June 15, 2007, that is, to end all war, to actively improve the environment, to actively provide abundance for their people. Those nations which do not keep this agreement will eventually be cut off from the international banking community in order to force them into compliance. On September 19, 2007, a new gold-backed banking system was approved by Congress. On October 19, 2007, at midnight, the U.S. Treasury of the Republic went online with a new global banking system. But this gold banking system is not being deployed because the banks are trying to depose of their worthless derivatives before they get reset to zero when the new gold-backed currency valuations go into force. To improve the stability of the banking system, in 1988, the Bank of International Settlements implemented Basel I, which required banks to hold 6% net capital. On December 1, 2007, this went a step further when Basel II was implemented, requiring all loans to be backed by the appropriate collateral and raise net capital requirements to 8%. The new rules prevent the bankers from collateralizing their derivatives with stolen money from their collateral accounts and prosperity funds. Furthermore, all assets must be valued according to the daily market price, also known as the mark-to-market rule. Any bank which refuses to comply with Basel II will be cut off from international markets, which is why American banks demanded $700 billion from the Trouble Asset Relief Program. If they didn't get this bailout, the banks would have shut their doors, inciting martial law. On June 15, 2009, Basel III was initiated, which goes a step further than Basel II, by requiring the banks to disclose any previously undisclosed junk asset or derivative parked off the balance sheet. Jack Blum has investigated financial fraud for the federal government for over 30 years. He has found that the banks use off-balance sheet financial operations to hide money in places like the Cayman Islands. Uh, if a bank, for example, has done bad lending and they put it in the uh, portfolio of an offshore entity, no one will be able to figure out what that offshore entity is really worth. And it's that kind of transaction that has absolutely disabled the world financial system. I think every bank at this point should be forced to come absolutely clean about how much money it has in these offshore shells of different kinds and how many deals there are hidden in the balance sheet and on the books. Under Basel III, every bank transaction must be disclosed on the balance sheet. But if this was to happen, these banks would become insolvent overnight and would not be able to pass their fake stress test. The Federal Reserve System is fighting tooth and nail to prevent this disclosure because if their $500 trillion or so of derivatives were actually placed on their balance sheet, using the mark-to-market rule, they would be shown to be bankrupt. Some banks are now working to bring about the Nassara mission in the hopes that some of the prosperity funds would trickle into their banks, saving them from closing their doors. But most of the larger banks that are fighting the coming changes will soon be out of business. They are not informing their employees of the new regulations and thus will not be ready to operate under a gold banking charter. Slowly, the illegal practices of the international financiers are coming to an end. 
One by one, the major banking houses are imploding right before our eyes. Their train wreck is occurring because these banks are no longer allowed to use assets from the collateral accounts of the I gotta pause that for a second. So I have to make a comment regarding the banks that are imploding. If you noticed, what was it? Wells Fargo is one of those banks that I noticed when I lived in Florida, or not Wells Fargo, Wachovia. It was a bank called Wachovia that started fading out. And I think it got bought by Wells Fargo. But I've been noticing with Chase, for example, I've been noticing that because I used to be a Chase member, you know, a Chase uh, banking customer, my wife and I were. For many years, and we switched. We finally switched to a credit union, a local credit union. But I've noticed with Chase and a lot of these banking, uh, with a lot of these ATMs and their branches, they're starting to diminish and they're starting to go away. And they're getting like I've noticed branches closing down. Um, that's very interesting that I've been seeing that myself with my own eyes. So it's it's interesting that he says this. You know, one by one, these banks are starting to diminish and they're you know getting demolished right before our eyes. If you actually pay attention, I mean, really watch, really watch around you. Look at the big banks, all right, and just see what happens in your local area. U.S. Bank, Bank of America, Chase Bank, you know, those, those, the big, the big ones. In fact, I thought I heard a, I thought I read a story sometime this week that there was people quitting in droves, leaving, I think, what was it, Goldman Sachs, I believe it was. I can't remember, but it's, it is happening. And you got to remember when this video was released, this was back like four or five years ago when this video was released, and now it's only expediting. So continuing with this uh, audio piece. Global debt facility to back up their loans. This is why we are seeing the derivatives implode. The banks have been illegally using the collateral accounts as collateral for their gold-backed derivatives, bullion certificates, and bonds sold through offshore domiciled corporations. With the new Basel II rules in place, these paper assets have now become worthless garbage, resulting in the massive banking write-downs you see today. According to the Office of International Treasury Control, this over-the-counter derivative market is worth about $3.3 quadrillion, with JP Morgan leading the pack with hundreds of trillions of dollars of derivatives. During the Clinton years, the banking 1 to 10 fractional reserve ratio was increased to 1 to 100. This easy money allowed anyone to get a home loan resulting in the housing sector boom. Since many of these loans were made to risky low-income households, the banks deferred their risk by selling their loan portfolios to investors in a process known as securitization. This occurs when mortgages are repackaged with other mortgages in a giant pool of liquidity which are sold to investors on the global market. These credit derivatives can then be repackaged and leveraged again at another 1 to 100 ratio which is then repeated over and over until there is literally quadrillions of dollars of derivatives floating around in the world's banking system. When housing prices were going up, these derivatives were making fortunes for the banks and the government's offshore accounts, allowing them to buy up assets all over the world with virtually free money. When investors realized these derivatives contained toxic loans, they stopped their buying binge, causing the credit market to seize up, which is why housing prices are in freefall. Because no one wants to buy these toxic derivatives, the banks and government are now in a panic to find other people's money to plug up the holes in their cracking dam.
Though some funds have been raised by either selling military secrets to China or through CIA drug-running operations, this is nowhere near enough money to prop up a collapsing derivative market. So now, the government is resorting to stealing the money, which is no credible way to run a country. To put a stop to this criminal activity, in December 2009, Interpol was given legal jurisdiction within the U.S. to hunt down and arrest corrupt bankers. April 4, 2008 marked the expiration of the 70-year bankruptcy agreement of the United States beginning in 1938. Technically, the bankruptcy began in 1933, but the Supreme Court did not enforce it until the United States became a legislative democracy in 1938. The nations of the world, weary of the shenanigans of the Federal Reserve System, knew they had a limited time to foreclose on the United States before the corporate government could extend another 70-year extension of the bankruptcy. Without this protection, the government was now at the mercy of its creditors, who were demanding reforms of the banking system, such as higher net capital requirements found under Basel II. If the United States failed to meet their demands, they would be cut off from international markets. So to raise the funds needed, in August 2008, the U.S. government began shorting the derivative market, causing stock and commodity prices to fall worldwide. But this $20 trillion of wealth was not destroyed. Instead, it was transferred into the government's offshore pension fund accounts, of which $5 trillion was moved back into the United States to shore up a collapsing dollar. Soon, this money will run out, leaving the option of either crashing the financial markets once again, destroying what little is left of the American economy, or by printing more money, leading to hyperinflation. But the global family does not want to see a devalued dollar, as 90% of all US dollars in circulation today are held by foreigners, and they have no desire to see their assets evaporate. So they have agreed to back all dollars printed before September 2008 with gold stored in the Philippines at a rate of 1 28th of a gram of gold per dollar. This would serve to curb the inflationary activities of the Federal Reserve and the assets of the hard-working average American. But on the other hand, all derivatives will be valued at one-third of 1%, which is their fair market value, forcing those who own this toxic trash into bankruptcy and finally out of business. On September 30, 2009, the fiscal year of the United States came to a close. Because of the precarious financial situation of the United States and its derivative holdings, the Chinese government reversed its policy of accepting fiat money for repayment of the national debt. So instead, they will only accept gold and silver as lawful payment, as specified in Article 1, Section 10 of the United States Constitution. To meet these new demands, the owners of the Federal Reserve System are scrambling to purchase enough gold and silver, but no one wants to sell them any. While the Federal Reserve System is falling apart, Barry Sarito continues to block the Nassara deliveries. Even though he never invested any money in these programs, he demands a portion of these funds for himself. In a pattern which mimics the Bush years, the Obama administration continues to make numerous daily attempts to steal the funds. But before he was even sworn in office, in December 2008, Obama tried unsuccessfully to steal $400 billion from the prosperity funds and demanded another $1 trillion ransom for his deed. A week before his inauguration, St. Germain and the global family had confronted Obama about his actions. At that time, Obama agreed to go along with the Nassara mission but soon after reversed his promise and has now solidified his alliance with the Bush-Clinton cabal. Our economy is badly weakened, a consequence of 
greed and irresponsibility on the part of some, but also our collective failure to make hard choices and prepare the nation for a new age. In March 2009, Obama tried once again to steal over $200 trillion of international funds from the Bank of International Settlements. This money was originally stolen by the Nazis from Holocaust victims and for the past 60 years have been earning interest in secret bank accounts. When Obama was informed that the theft of the international funds was an impeachable offense, he replied, You can't touch me. I'm above it. We knew where it was, so we took it. As the largest holder of the national debt, the Chinese government is now in control of the United States economy, its grain supply, and its communist president, which is why Chinese President Hu does not want to see Nassara announced, otherwise it would negate this cushy arrangement. In May 2009, Obama sought help from the Chinese government to hack into some of the trust accounts overseas. Had Obama been successful, China would have received a $4 trillion payout for the cooperation. Thankfully, the White Knights located the money and is now in a safe place. So who is really benefiting from a Chicago Olympics? Well, Valerie Jarrett's former businesses uh, benefit, Habitat, which uh, manages uh, hundreds and thousands of apartments throughout Chicago, not only on behalf of the government, but on behalf of other developers. In anticipation of the proposed Chicago Olympics site, Obama had committed to buy several hundred million dollars of property in the surrounding area with borrowed money from the U.S. Treasury. He then promised to pay a huge bribe to the International Olympic Committee using stolen money from the prosperity funds. When he arrived empty-handed after failing to access the accounts, they immediately threw out Chicago out of the running and now Obama is stuck with a bunch of worthless slumland and a huge debt to the U.S. Treasury. In another incident, Obama demanded 58% of the program money to be paid to him in his personal bank account, with the rest of the money to be taxed at a rate of 65%. Both the Queen of England, President of France Nicolas Sarkozy, and German Chancellor Angela Merkel agreed to these terms. And why not? After all, it's not their money they're giving away. The Queen of England has also participated in this sabotage. She has placed secret override codes into these banking computers, which allow her ladyship and Obama to move this money around and around until hell freezes over, awaiting the time until they can figure out how to access these funds. To garner the cooperation of Bush Sr. and Obama, the Global Family offered to pay 0.5% for all their fraudulent derivatives and warehouses of stolen loot in exchange for the new gold-backed U.S. Treasury currency. This offer was turned down and a new offer was made at 2.5% with Obama getting 2.5% of that. Even though these percentages may appear to be small, they are based on quadrillions of dollars, so we are talking enormous amounts of money. This offer was also refused, and now they are demanding a 100% exchange along with agreement to escape exposure and prosecution. This offer was flatly turned down. I didn't choose to tackle this issue to get some legislative victory under my belt. And by now, it should be fairly obvious that I didn't take on health care because it was good politics. To pay for the United States health care bill, Obama attempted to raise $44.5 trillion through the sale of a health care revenue anticipation bond in Switzerland with a 35-year term collateralized by the Freedom Bankroll Program. Of this, $42 trillion was to go to Obama personally and the other $2.5 trillion will pay for the government's takeover of health care. 
The only problem is, Obama had the signatures forged, along with a few senior Democratic senators and congressmen who are now demanding his impeachment. When Swiss authorities realized the signatures were forged, they proceeded to turn over the evidence to the International Court of Justice. Obama tried to block this action through an executive order, but no one seems to be paying it much attention. The reason Obama wanted $42 trillion is because he has been borrowing money heavily from the banks in order to bribe anyone who dares to oppose him. These loans are collateralized using forged signatures of prosperity program recipients in their corresponding bank trades. This loan money is then used to bribe world court judges to look the other way. But because the white knights are blocking these transactions, Obama is going deeper and deeper into debt. The banks are starting to realize a trap is being set for them, but sadly, it's too late. There's no way they can recover from these mega loan losses. They may think they can simply destroy evidence of these transactions and hope the problem goes away, but luckily, duplicates can be found through state auditors. When Obama is confronted with these criminal actions, his typical response is, as long as I am the president, which will be for another 12 or 18 years or whatever I decide because I am the ruler, you will never get this money and eventually I will get all of it, one way or another. When referring to the American people, Obama was quoted as saying, they are scum and trash and they do not need or deserve this money. One source is even quoting him as saying, I am king, I am God. Obama's arrogance may stem from the plans of George Bush Sr. and the Thule Society to crown Obama as a God King under a thousand year Reich beginning in 2012. For these reasons, the White Knights have ordered Obama to submit his resignation papers if he wishes to avoid treason. But Obama simply laughs it off and replies, You can't charge me. Besides, the House and Senate will never go along with it because they are just as guilty as I am. He then continues to insist the funds are his to do as he pleases, as he is the ruler of this country. The longer Obama remains in office, the closer America teeters on economic collapse. Personal income tax collections are down 40%, and for corporations, 67%. Housing values have dropped 80% in some areas. Farmers are having a hard time getting a loan to plant new crops, which means many innocent people could pay with their lives. While the United States economy implodes, the government continues to borrow trillions of dollars to fund pet projects and bail out failed business models such as GM and Chrysler. The government debts generated from these bailouts are flooding the bond market, making it even harder for the private sector to get a loan to survive. These actions are also hyperinflationary, which would ultimately lead to a collapsing dollar and higher prices for Americans. The banks now fresh with slush money from their bailouts and bonuses could care less if the economy comes crashing down. In December 2008, access to credit card lines was reduced from $5 trillion to $3 trillion. Sadly, this lifeline is being cut off from the American people at a time when they are losing their jobs. In preparation for economic collapse in the New World Order, Obama has now increased preparedness for martial law which under Rex 84 would send millions of patriotic Americans to concentration camps. Should this occur, the White Knights are prepared to take strong actions to protect the American people. Whether the Nassara transition is peaceful or not, God has mandated the common man will not suffer. The dark side's plans for mass vaccinations, martial law, or nuclear war will end in utter failure, and those who cooperated with such schemes would dis- now.
remember, like I said, when did this video come out? This video came out like four or five years ago. He was talking about mass vaccinations. What have they been trying to do over the last couple of years since COVID? They've been trying to push mass vaccinations. And you know what still pisses me off? As you all know, I'm a fuel delivery driver. I haul fuel to a lot of gas stations. And some of these gas stations have these uh, little mini micro TV monitors built into the pumps. And they play these stupid, worthless commercials. I mean, it's insane how they try to commercialize everything. You know, uh, and, and so that's all I hear. And, and these speakers are very loud because they play simultaneously on all these pumps. So it amplifies the sound and the volume. And all I hear is, oh, make sure you get your COVID shot because it is the right thing to do. Help protect America and help save your loved ones and blah, 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 blah. You still see billboards for this crap. You still hear this crap being peddled on the radio. You still hear crap, you know, this crap being peddled on TV. It's ridiculous. Remember, this was put out four or five years ago, and he talks about mass vaccinations. A kind of a little interesting, huh? Continuing. Sent into the ash heap of history, the peoples of the world are now becoming aware of these grievances. Queen Elizabeth and the Crown of England have both gone too far with their crown power. Third world nations, such as Malaysia, would no longer allow the International Monetary Fund to rape their assets. African and South American nations, once devastated by the IMF, are now teaming up to create their own coalitions. Attempts by the international banking community to crush the Islamic nations have yielded little results as they continue to abide to the gold standard as dictated in the Quran. China is proposing the creation of a new international reserve currency backed by precious metals, which would operate outside the manipulations of the Bank of International Settlements and the Committee of 300. In addition to the financial reforms, the Vatican has agreed to cooperate with a plan to end poverty and turn the deserts green by allowing the development of forbidden technologies such as free energy. The White Hats and the U.S. Space Command, which operate bases like Area 51, are now ready to release anti-gravity and teleportation technologies, which would make all automobiles and airplanes obsolete. Industries which are expected to vanish completely. Wait, I just heard something I, I missed before when I watched this video. I must have watched this video about three or four, possibly five times. I lost count. But he used the term white knights through the majority of this video. And then he just talked about white hats. Now, again, when this video was released, this was right around when Trump was running for president. Nobody knew the term white hats at that time. This is before Trump became president. Nobody knew the term white hats. I find it interesting that he actually used it in this one particular case. Because he talks about white knights, which are basically a group of good businessmen that basically help uh, corporations from being you know, taken over by a hostile takeover. And then in this case, he talks about the white hats releasing you know, technology that has been kept from us and being suppressed. So white knights being the private sector you know, business people to work for humanity you know, on their end, on a business side. White hats being the military. It's very interesting. I, I just I, I, I just caught that. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I had to pause that for a second. Continuing. Completely include petroleum, war, nuclear power, pharmaceuticals, and automobiles. Companies in these industries will receive substantial financial help after Nasara in order to transform themselves for the coming changes. For example, the petroleum industry could be turned into a geoengineering industry. The armaments industry could move into space exploration and car manufacturers could be retooled to produce anti-gravity scooters. 
The longer these bankers and the corporate federal government refuse to go along with Nassara, the more banking implosions we will see. The world has announced, enough is enough. If you do not behave yourselves, you will be shut off from the international community. Nearly 300 years have passed since the creation of St. Germain's World Trust. The time has now come to herald in a new age of peace and prosperity. We do not want an economic collapse, martial law, or new world order. We want Nassara now. And so there it is. There it is. That's the part two. So I posted the link on the show notes here. It's kind of one of those things you got to copy and paste, but I also will have it in the, uh, I will have it in the, um, in the show notes. So you can actually watch the video. It's about 58 minutes long, if I recall correctly. But I tell you what, a lot of solid information in there. And, and I know, like I said, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of voices that want to poo-poo Nassara. But you got to remember, a lot of the people that are poo-pooing this, you got you to gotta remember, okay? And, and I know there's some negative Nellies out there that keep saying, oh, there's nobody in the background that's working. Listen, if you believe that there's nobody in the background working, what do you have faith in? I mean, obviously, you got to have faith in God, but you got to remember, God works through all of us. Okay, this is not man's plan. This is God's plan to take out the evil in this world. And the simple fact is, is that this has been a longstanding battle that has initiated back in the mid-50s, beginning with General Douglas MacArthur. And then it just snowballed and gotten into a larger operation ever since then. Because remember, General, uh, uh, General MacArthur, Douglas MacArthur, he initiated the Restore America plan, also known as Project Blue Book. Okay, this is why I also go over the field training manual 2000-25 in the EDU spot uh, podcast that I do once or twice a week, typically on Sundays for sure. You can always guarantee to hear that segment on Sundays. There's a reason why I go over that. That is what he trained these special forces on so that we can move forward to restore this republic that had been lost for so long. Because if these evil little demons had their way, they would have this nation of America, they'd have this under complete communism and worse, if you can imagine something worse than communism. So... And an odd patriot was saying, should I ask General Flynn about his thoughts about Nassara? Look, if you have an outlet to General Flynn, I would say yes. Absolutely. Because it's one of those things. I mean, absolutely. This needs to be put it out. Because if you remember from part one, it has always, always, since 1999, part of the Nassara Act was to, it had to be tried, you know, they had the minimum try to roll this out once a year because this was something that they, the, the evil powers that be did not want getting out there again. Hence why nine 11 was a thing. Probably also why we experienced the 0809 crash and probably more than likely why we saw the whole COVID crap take place once a year. It was it was a law that Nassara had to be attempted to be rolled out and why do I say attempted? Because you still have a de facto government that doesn't give a crap about America. They don't give a crap about you and I, and they don't care about the republic. They don't care because what it does is it takes away their wealth. And be, because what happens is with part of the Nassar is that their big money-making scheme ends. 
It's not that they lose money that they already have, which is fake and, and, and worthless anyways, but their whole scheme, which remember schemes are devised by the devil, their whole scheme, their pyramid scheme is done. So again, I say, this is why it was required that it had to be rolled out. It, ha it had to be attempted to be rolled out once a year. But yet you still got people that try to thwart the progress. Again, one of the biggest reasons why assembling is so important. Regardless, and here's the thing, regardless of what happens in the Michigan election, and we're pulling for Donna Brandenburg. In fact, I'm going to be jumping on her show here in about 13 minutes. Regardless of what happens in that governor race, no matter what, okay, just so people know, especially the people of Michigan and the people of the nation, because the, the rest of the states are going to be watching Michigan and the world for that matter. No matter who is in the governorship or who is a governor, Michigan will still do its thing and will come out of interim status. It does not matter who is in office. Now, the right person in office, which would the right person, you know, being Donna, uh, that would help obviously expedite the process. And then the rest of the nation would see what's going on with Michigan. And then they would get their act together and start figuring out, holy crap, what is happening in Michigan? Because this looks like, like awesome sauce that I want to have on my plate. And then you're going to start seeing the rest of the states strap up their boots and start getting after it and working at their local level to get involved with their, with their local county and state assemblies. And remember, when we hit our 38 states, that's when we have full control then of the federal government at that point because per the Constitution, we need three-quarters of the states. Three-quarters of the states is the number 38. So that is all I have for you today. I'm going to close this out. We're going to play the warrior's prayer, and then we're going to close it out with the outro. And I will join you uh, if you want to join us. Uh, Donna should already have her Brandenburg News Network already going. She usually starts at 8 a.m. every day, every morning. Um, and so I'll be over there right around 9 o'clock. So let's play the warrior's prayer, my favorite prayer. I love this prayer. I don't know why. It's not because I recorded it. I just, I really love the words. I love this prayer. So here it is. Heavenly Father, your warrior prepares for battle. Today I claim victory over Satan by putting on the whole armor of God. I put on the girdle of truth, may I stand firm in the truth of your word, so I will not be a victim of Satan's lies. I put on the breastplate of righteousness, may it guard my heart from evil, so I will remain pure and holy, protected under the blood of Jesus Christ. I put on the shoes of peace, may I stand firm in the good news of the gospel, so your peace will shine through me and be a light to all I encounter. I take the shield of faith, may I be ready for Satan's fiery darts of doubt, denial, deceit, so I will not be vulnerable to the spiritual defeat. I put on the helmet of salvation. May I keep my mind focused on you, so Satan will not have a stronghold on my thoughts. I take the sword of spirit. 
May the two-edged sword of your word be ready in my hand so I can expose the tempting words of Satan. By faith, your warrior has put on the whole armor of God. I am prepared to live this day in spiritual victory. Amen. Amen, indeed. And I hope everybody has a wonderful and safe weekend. Also, before I actually close this out, I also wanted to tell you, kind of, if you missed this on another show when I brought this up, something that should be very noteworthy, because with the whole Nassar thing, it's very interesting. There is no doubt stuff coming down the pipeline here. Now, remember, September is the last month. This month is the last month of the fiscal year, okay? And the Pope, the Pope, Francis, has ordered the central administration of the Roman Catholic Church and its related entities to withdraw all their financial assets from the external banks and transfer them to the Vatican Bank by the end of September. Now, why would he put that order out? Makes you wonder, ladies and gentlemen. It makes you wonder what is going on. Okay, if that isn't proof enough that there's something big coming, well, I don't know what else, you know, what, what is. But there's something big coming. And we all need to make sure that we have, you know, some precious metals in our possession. We need to make sure that we, you know, have at least some cash, you know, on hand. So if ATMs go down, we at least have cash to use. Because debit cards might not work when this whole, when this whole you know switch over and the banking system happens. So that's all I got for you today. I hope you have a blessed day, blessed evening, night, wherever you're at in the world, and uh, have a great weekend. And come join us over at the Brandenburg News Network. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to say thank you so very much for joining us here for another His Hardline discussion. Don't forget to share this website, www.hisheartline.com. Share this podcast far and wide. And remember, as it states in Joshua 1.9, I command you, be strong and steadfast. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that's what it means to be a hardliner. We are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. We are warriors for Christ, and this is the Lord's fight. It's time to take this nation back and return God back at the top of the throne where he belongs. Thank you for joining us again, and come back again. Have a blessed night.